0: Welcome to Kenmar Church on this Father's Day morning. One thing is irrefutable. We need smart people in the church, and Paul was in many ways ahead of his time. Let's give him this much. He had intestinal fortitude. I've heard said that when Jesus met Paul on the Damascus road, he converted his soul, but not necessarily his personality. Paul was as tenacious after becoming a Christian and a missionary as he was in the early years when he argued in the councils of the Pharisees and persecuted the first believers. Give Paul an issue in which he believed deeply, and he would sink his teeth into it like a bulldog and not let go. The thing he won't let go of here in chapter 5 is what our Heavenly Father has done for us. We have been justified through faith. Again, we warmly welcome everyone to worship. Thank you. Today's scripture comes from uh, Romans five one through eleven. Uh, that's found in the bulletin, in your pew Bible, or on the screen. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through Jesus, or through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produce perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us
1: Thank you, Kevin. Let us pray. Eternal God, your spirit inspired those who wrote the Bible and enlightens us to hear your word afresh every day. Help us to rely always on your promises found in Scripture as we walk by faith. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen. I believe Paul the Apostle was extremely intelligent. Yet some of us who are less blessed with uh, maybe not the brain power that Paul possessed don't always appreciate those who are smarter than we are, especially if they know they're smarter than we are. I have a friend, in fact, who is very intelligent. He can even intimidate people with his intelligence, and he knows it. It's part of his charm, so he tells me. I don't think it's so charming, to tell you the truth. But we're among friends this morning, aren't we? Paul, take Paul as one of the greatest characters in the story of the Bible And consider here in Romans, as well as other parts of his New Testament letters, and and answer me, does Paul ever get under your skin? He does me. He gets under my skin sometimes. And the fact is, here in Romans, it's such elaborate language that he uses to get his point across that sometimes I feel like I'm always trailing behind trying to catch up to him. Not long ago, I was having lunch with a group of minister colleagues sharing ideas about ministry. We get together every month or two, um, and we talk about church life, not to mention what's going on in the world. And surely you must know that in 2023, the religious landscape, I was going to say in this country, but in the world, is changing rapidly. Uh, the church in which I was ordained in 1983, doesn't exist anymore. And I'm not just talking about the Presbyterian church. I'm, I'm talking about every denomination as well as non-denominational churches that are going through many changes right now. Uh, some of those changes are the result of uh, politics or pandemics or protests, but sometimes it's just because of the dizzying pace of life 2,000 years after the founder of the Christian faith walked the face of the earth. In fact, we have probably seen more change in the church in the last 20 years than we have seen over the last 2,000 years. Meetings like the pastor's group that I attend are going on everywhere because church leaders are scrambling trying to understand how to deal with the complexity of what is facing us, and, of course, the challenges confronting our church and world. One thing I think is irrefutable. The church needs smart people. Paul was one of those people in the early church, so let's give him some credit. He had intestinal fortitude, or as I mentioned, as I welcomed you, that I've heard said that on the road to Damascus, Jesus converted Paul's soul but left his personality intact, and he was kind of irascible. He's, he, was, he was kind of a person who would grab a hold of an issue and never let go. He was tenacious, sometimes annoying. That was Paul, and he believed deeply in the things that he taught and the things that he wrote. So it goes without saying that Paul was opinionated. Um, I'm condensing his, uh, his writings when I tell you he had a habit of saying things that were, disturbed other people. Like in his letter to the Corinthians, he said that women should keep their heads covered. And then he said later in Corinthians, women should keep their mouths shut. I'm not not telling you this. This is Paul talking, just so you know. Um, And he said, if women have urges that are too strong, they should get married instead of remaining single. Well, who gave Paul the authority to talk that way? He, in fact, mentions in Corinthians that he's giving his own opinion. He hasn't received a clear word from the Lord about these things, so uh, I find that somewhat arrogant, that he's strong, strongly opinionated so much that he's given his own views without God's stamp of approval. Intelligent, strong-minded, opinionated. You could probably add pushy to that list. That was the Apostle Paul. And he founded many churches in the first century. If you ever looked at a map of Paul's missionary journeys, he covered an incredible swath of territory. And first century travel was nothing like it is today. It was challenging. It was rough. It took a toll. And then he wouldn't leave those churches alone. He wrote to them. He followed them. He coached them. Uh, And we are richer for it, because if he hadn't done that, there would be about a third of the New Testament missing for us to read. But I doubt very seriously if Paul ever woke up in the morning and said to himself, "Um, I think I'll write some holy scripture today. No, he woke up thinking, I've got to write to that church at Corinth and bring them around to doing a better job. Those churches in Galatia are such a mess. I need to assist them. Or those folks in Rome are wondering why I haven't visited them. I've got to plan a trip there. He just couldn't leave the churches alone. Now, today, in in our church experience, pastors, when they leave a church, are supposed to leave a church. And their successors take over without interference. Paul didn't do that. He kept in touch. He got involved. He interceded in their squabbles. He remembered everyone's name. Paul was pushy. Paul was intelligent. Paul was strong-minded. Paul was pushy. Did I say that already? (laughs) That was Paul. You can't say, however, that Paul was a braggart. He never kept score. He never said look at all these churches that I have founded in my travels. He wasn't that way. Instead, he had one thing to brag about. He could have bragged about his accomplishments, but he had one thing to brag about. In fact, he said everything else was worthless compared to the glory of knowing Christ. Paul bragged about the hope that he had In Christ. Paul bragged about the glory of God that he experienced. Paul bragged about God. No, No frills, no extras, just God. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. He's not through. He also says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. He frames all this talk around the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is what he is boasting about. That's what he's bragging about to the people in Rome about. God's salvation brings us hope, and according to Paul, that's worth bragging about any day, any time. And yes, we can even brag about our sufferings because of what they produce as we live a life of faith. Along with hope, sufferings, reconciliation, Paul says... I'm bragging about God. Somehow in the 21st century, I think we've forgotten how to do that, if we ever knew. When was the last time you had a conversation with someone, and and in the course of talking about all the stuff that's going on, pandemics, politics, et cetera, et cetera, you bragged about God. You talked about hope. Well, beyond your bad back or your kidney problems, Have you bragged about your sufferings? Have you bragged about the stress that is part of your life because of the circumstances you're living in? When was the last time you bragged about God for anything? Can you remember when you let someone else know that your life has been graced by the one who was willing to go to such great extremes to demonstrate his love for you? Why do you suppose we're hesitant to talk about our faith? Well, perhaps it's because in our heart of hearts, we don't think it's a big enough deal. Or maybe we're afraid of being rejected. But I'm here to tell you the gospel is not a myth. The gospel was a historic event in the person of Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Son of God, our Savior. When Paul says we are justified, what he's saying is that we have been brought close to God. We have been connected to God through Jesus. Since we now have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Because of that justification... There was not anything we could do on our own or accomplish by ourselves, we now have been reconciled to God and we have been given salvation. Verse 11 says, Not only is this so, we also boast in God. So, after you list everything else, there's only one thing worth boasting about in the end, and that's God himself. The end of the gospel is, We boast in God the highest, the deepest, the fullest, the sweetest good of the gospel is God himself. Fred Craddock tells a story about his boyhood when his family lost their farm and they had to move into town. It happened at the end of the summer and Fred was a pretty shy boy, socially inadequate are his words. And when school started, he put on the clothes that his mother had gotten from a charity in town, and he made his way to class. The teacher said, let's start our school year by everybody telling what you did on vacation. Well, the one girl started, and she began to talk about a trip to Florida, another about a trip to Niagara Falls, another boy about a trip to Washington, D.C., and all the monuments that his family saw in Washington, D.C. To Fred, those places were pictures in books, and others in his class had actually gone there in person. Little Freddy was sitting in the back of the room growing more and more nervous by the moment as eventually he knew it would be his turn to tell the class what he did on his summer vacation. What was he going to say? He'd worked on the farm all summer. That was it well the bell rang they ran out of time and fred headed home and as he got home his father said what's the matter son well it didn't go well in school today why not the teacher told us that we had to tell the class what we did on vacation and all i did was dig potatoes and pick purple shell peas i don't have anything to tell the class And his father said, well, it sounds like she's asking you to tell a lie. So go ahead, give her one. But you and Mama have told us we're not supposed to lie. Yes, but you're also supposed to listen to your teacher. (laughs) What am I going to say, he asked his father. Well, just pick up on the the good parts of the other stories that you've already heard in class and, and, and mash them all together and you'll be just right. Sure enough, the next day, it was Fred's turn to tell about his vacation, and he tied one on. He talked about going to Washington, D.C., and to New York, and he was just this side of Niagara Falls when his teacher interrupted and told him to meet her in the hall. You didn't go all those places, Fred, did you? No, ma'am, he said. Why did you say it? because all I did was work on the farm all summer. Fred Craddock said if he had known then what he knows now, he would have told those boys and girls exactly what he did during his summer. There were lots of neat things going on on the farm, calves being born and hay being baled, and I should have told them all that. I would have been the envy of the whole class. So the next time you're given an opportunity to brag on God go ahead give it a try you may think it's not worth talking about but you never know we can say like Paul I have been justified we have been justified through faith and we boast in the hope of the glory of God you just never know who needs to hear that message. We could all make Paul proud if we would only do a little bragging on God. We don't have to be know-it-alls. We just have to tell someone else what God has done for us. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us. A video recording of this service can be found on YouTube or Facebook by searching for Kenmar Church.